0: Young, back to throw, in
1: trouble, he's going to be sacked, no, gets away, he runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10, he dies, touchdown 49ers!
2: Hey, what's up everybody, it's Zane Nacky with Al Sacco, and this is another episode of the No Huddle Podcast, presented by 49ers Webzone, and Al, how you doing? Doing good, Zay. Doing good. Um, thanks everybody again for joining us.
0: Good show lined up today, as always. You could find our show on SoundCloud and iTunes, and iTunes now it's real easy. Just go to forty erswebzonecom dot com slash iTunes, and you could download it that way too instead of going right to iTunes. Also, um, we have an offer for our listeners as well. If you go to forty erswebzonecom dot com slash pff, um, if you put in the code edge seven one seven, that's ed. GE seven one seven or elite seven one seven you could save money on pro football focus five dollars off the edge and twenty dollars off the elite so that's a nice little deal if you guys are interested in that but um, great show like I said today I got the opportunity to interview Victor Bolden who I was very impressed with he's got a lot of versatility I I think that he's going to um, really put some pressure on the Niners to keep him around because of all the things that he that he can do we're also going to break down the receivers but the big news zane kirk cousins broke today
2: yeah and i and i love i love the fact that this is happening uh right before training camp starts and and this is going to do a couple of things this is going to either make 2018 a really really interesting season for the 49ers or it's going to possibly open the door for a trade up in the draft that 49ers aren't at the top of the draft to get one of these quarterbacks. So either way, this has basically set off the the domino effect on, on either of those two things in my mind. So much to talk about. Can't wait to get into it. But before we do,
0: let's bring on Victor Bolden. Fast, athletic, and versatile are the words that come to mind when describing our guest today. He signed as a free agent with the 49ers after the draft. And while he's primarily a wide receiver, he also provides options in the running and return game. Welcome to the show, Victor Bolden. Victor, thanks for taking the time today.
1: Uh, thanks for having me. No
0: problem. We're we're thrilled to have you here. So to start off, I'm really interested to hear about Camp Hoyer. Now, for some fans who may not know, Brian Hoyer got the QBs, wide receivers, and tight ends together for a three-day practice session down in Texas to stay sharp and brush up on some concepts. Now, I know you were there. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did down there and how that went?
1: Yeah, I was there. Um, I think that it was a great opportunity for the guys just to get together and build some the more chemistry as we head into camp. Uh, it, it was a good time. We we went out there and just worked on um, timing within, you know, the offense, and you know, got a few workouts in and, and just got got in, back into the swing of things before we go back to camp.
0: Now it sounds like something like that could really be a bonding experience. Did you feel like, especially with all the new faces, did you did you feel like that that was um, had the effect on everybody that was involved?
1: Yeah, I think it was. Uh, we made sure that we. Um, got a chance to get to dinner, um, every night and, you know, we had a great time just, you know, hanging out talking and, you know, um, getting, getting used to each other and having fun around each other. So I think it was a great experience and, and I, I thank Brian for doing it and I think uh, we should do it again next year.
0: Now you came from a pro style offense at Oregon state. Has, has that helped you in the early going as far as getting used to the playbook and the scheme?
1: I think that helped me a lot. Um, you know, just getting, um, the, the terminology down and understanding the concepts that that happen within the pro style offense, um, it was it was a good transition for me. Um, you know, even though I I played in the spread my last two two years, junior and senior year, um, just that experience I had freshman and sophomore year in the pro style really helped me understand this new offense. Are
0: there any similarities, like route concept wise, or anything with Kyle Shanahan's plays, or or is it is it all kind of new in in terms of that?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of similarities, you know, within um, his offense and Coach Riley's offense. Uh, I think that's what what has helped me a, a lot just to understand, you know, the different concepts and different terminology. So, um, yeah, there there were definitely a lot of similarities within concepts.
2: Now, I
0: mentioned your versatility earlier, and when I was doing research on you, that that's what really stood out to me. In your college career, you you caught 170 passes, you had 95 rushing attempts for 7.7 yards per carry. And also uh, returned kicks, and you brought a couple back for TDs. Did the fact that you were so versatile seem to be a factor for the NFL teams who were interested in you?
1: I think so. I think um, you know, with my speed and being able to make plays in space, and you know, being able to do more than one thing on the field, it definitely got caught the eye of a lot of NFL coaches. So, you know, I just want to continue to, to you know do the right do the right things and do all the little details that I need to do to make sure that I you know can provide that on the next level. So i um, just working hard and, and getting ready for this opportunity coming up.
0: Now, did you talk to a few teams other than the Niners? Did, was it, was it a, a process for you to decide where you wanted to sign?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, there's a few teams that called, you know, after the draft was over and um, it definitely was a process. I think um, I went to a great organization with great people. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what told me to, you know, become a 49er.
0: And, and Coach, Santa, Coach Shanahan's system has a history um, of getting the most out of his players, especially smaller and quicker receivers like you are. Did the offensive system they run in San Francisco factor into you making that decision?
1: Uh, most definitely. Um, you know, I know you know how um, efficient and how productive the pro style offense could be. You know, just coming in and playing, getting my freshman sophomore year with Coach Riley, so I knew that you know um, it definitely you know utilizes you know the short quick guys in space and and uh, i think that that's another reason why um i i feel like the 49ers fit what i do so much
0: now when when you're going through you know when the draft is happening and, and you're talking to people in terms of where you may end up how does that work are teams talking to your agents are you talking to teams how do, how does it come together
1: yeah just the pre-draft process you know a couple of days couple you know a week two weeks but uh before the draft starts you're gonna start hearing calls for different teams and um making sure that you're uh, getting your information down and, and knowing where you're gonna be at um draft day. Um and you know it it's a great process um that you know I was thankful to be a part of and um I think that uh I, I thank God that we uh, got to this point where I'm on the forty nine ers so um I, I think I'm in the perfect spot.
0: How did it come that you actually sealed the deal with the Niners? Had you talked to John Lynch or, or Kyle Shanahan? How does it come when you actually say, okay, I'm going to sign with the Niners? Who did you speak with and how did it come about?
1: Um, I first spoke with um, Coach Hightower and, and Coach LaFleur. Um, those were the guys I was talking to um, you know, during the process. Um, and uh, when they knew that you know I was the guy that they, they wanted to be um, on their team, um, Coach Shanahan Shanahan got on the phone and, and let me know that you know they they have a, an opportunity for me um, and and if I'm willing to take it and you know, i mean, there's offer's on the table so you know I got a chance to speak with Coach Shanahan and um and we and we got it going.
0: Were Were you close with any other teams, or was it kind of not the Niners the whole time?
1: Um, um, there was definitely some teams in the picture that uh, were wanting me to be a part of their team, but uh, I think the Forty ers were the best fit and um. You know, they were the team that you know were did a great job of getting me to their organization.
0: Now we talked about this a, a little bit already about your speed and quickness, and and you talked a little bit about the scheme and that sort of thing. But what specifically do you think you could bring to the Forty ers as a whole?
1: I think I can be um, a playmaker. Um, you know, I, I have the ability to make plays in space, and I can stretch the field um, downfield. But I also can, you know, separate um within the offense like on third and fourth down against linebackers and um and, and just be, be a good route runner so you know I I bring different things to the table um and um I think that I can be a great asset to the team this year.
0: And I saw that you were in the, in the mix as well for returning punts at OTAs. Do you feel like you can make an impact on special teams whether it's returning kicks or whatever it is this year?
1: Well, definitely, you know, I think that you know that has been a good um, asset of mine that I, I was able to, you know, have success with in, in college and I plan on continue to do that um, on the next level. So, you know, I'm just going to continue to to work hard and um, and wait for that opportunity to happen.
0: Now I read, and sometimes we read these 40 times and we, you know, we go to NFL.com or whatever, and they're not always accurate, but I read that you um, ran a four or I believe at the combine. But to me, when I watch you on film, you you look so much faster than that. Do you think that you're the type of player who's who's maybe faster on the field and and, and you have better game speed than possibly straight line time type speed?
1: Uh, most definitely. Uh, I think that, you know, I have pretty, you know, elite game speed and uh, even within straight line speed, you know, I was able, I clocked a 10.7 um 100 meters in in the 100 in high school, so I have the straight line speed, uh, it just you know it didn't trans- transcend um that day. Um, for the combine, um but you know coaches still see my my game film, and like you said i i you can see see my speed on tape yeah, and I think the combine it has it has its pluses and
0: minuses, and I, I think we we put these numbers on players coming in mm-hmm. when in reality, you have years and years of tape to watch, and like yourself, you just watch you on tape and and you're so explosive um and and mm-hmm. it, it really is exciting to watch as fast as you are coming into the NFL, are you surprised? And I know you haven't gone to camp yet, but are are you surprised with how fast it is or is it about what you expected or?
1: Um, you know, I'm surprised with how detail oriented, um, the game is, you know, it was, you got to pay attention to the details in college as well. But, you know, this next level is, it's even more important. And, you know, just making sure that you're, you know, doing everything the right way, you know, um, it hinders timing if you're not, you know, running the route with the right steps or running the route, um, in the right you know, space within the field. So, you know, just making sure that you're completely detail oriented, um, within the game is, is something that, you know, uh, I can definitely see spit out to me as, you know, this, this transition to the NFL has started. And, and does
0: the film study play a big part in that when you're, when you're talking about the details, do you have to kind of kind of go to school and, and, and watch a lot more film?
1: Most definitely, you know, you got to make sure that you're um, in the film room um, a lot to, you know, understand concepts and understand how they run and, and, you know, who's had success with them in in past years and, you know, how they did that. So, um, film is really important, you know, just to, you know, make sure that you're on top of those details.
0: Now, in your own words, what's the best part of your game and what's something about your game that you think you need to work on?
1: The best part of my game, uh, I think the best part of my game is that, you know, I, I'm going to be, you know, at one speed all game. Um, you're going to see I'll take that, you know, I don't slow down. And uh, I'm going to make sure that uh, I, you know, put pressure on the defense every time I go on the field. And, you know, um, something I need to work on is just continuing to, you know, be an elite receiver, be an elite returner. So just continue to improve in everything that I've, you know, been known to be successful at in. You know, making myself that much more dangerous when I'm on the field.
0: Now, camp's still probably about two weeks away or so. What do you do to stay in shape between now and then? What do you What do your workouts consist of to to get ready?
1: Um, you know, making sure that you know I can can run all day. You know, as a receiver, you got to be able to run all day. You can't, you know, um, get tired. You know, third and fourth fourth quarter and overtime. So, you know, making sure that I'm going out there and running and and lifting and keeping my strength up and, and running routes and making sure I'm, I, you know, I'm sharp, sharp within the playbook. So I'm just being continue to do, continue to do those things and, and get ready for, for camp in two weeks. And what's your
0: mindset like is, I mean, you gotta be chopping at the bit to get in camp. Do you, do you feel nervous? Do you feel excited with it right around the corner? How do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely excited. Uh, I can't wait to get out there and, and you know, Show show the guys what I can do, and um, you know, get back to working out with my with my teammates and having fun with my peers. And um, I think I uh, I wouldn't say I'm more more nervous. I think I'm more excited than anything. You know, just uh, just the preparation that I have, you know, taken to get to this point is it, keeping me from not being nervous and, and you know just letting um, letting the chips fall where me. You know, I just focus on things that I can control and go out there and, and and have fun every day.
0: And obviously, you're a rookie, so this this is your first NFL camp. Does the team prep you for anything at the end of mini camp? Kind of just things to do between now and camp, or things to expect when you get to camp? Or are you kind of going in not quite sure what to expect?
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, Ray and his staff, and you know, Coach Lafleur, and all a lot of the veterans, you know, make sure that you know they they get you prepared for you know what camp is going to be like and what the rest of the season is going to be like. So. You know, I have a good idea of how camp is going to go and what to expect. So yeah, I definitely say that the organization and the players are, are you know, make sure that the rookies, you know, have a great idea of, of what camp is going to be like.
0: And as far as the wide receiver group as a whole, like I said earlier, there's there's so many new faces. Is there anyone who stood out as a leader of that group so far, or does everyone just kind of rely on each other?
1: Um, I think that's why. I, our group is so special. Is that you know uh, the, uh, the veterans definitely uh, you know give um, give the rookies a, a you know a good platform of you know letting them know of how things go and, and what to expect and how to prepare each day and um, you know everybody works together for that situation and um, I think Pierre Garcon, Jeremy Kelly, and Marquis Gouin all do and Alger Robinson all do a good job of you know you know feeding off each other um, in that leadership role. So. Um, I think that uh with going to the future um with this season if we continue to you know um be as close knit as we are i think we'll have great success
0: now do they seem to be more vocal leaders or is it a lead by example type thing
1: um i think we we get a, get the opportunity to get both um they're they're both vocal and lead by example guys and 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 great leaders um do both things so um we have a, a opportunity to to listen to them. And and hear what they um, feel is is needed that day, and and watch them go out there and do it on the field. So, uh, uh, the rookies are in good hands with those guys, and you know we just continue to um, you know feed off what they do and and learn how to be a pro. Getting back to Brian Hoyer, I, th- I thought
0: that what he did with this camp showed showed a lot of leadership to get everybody involved and bring them down to Texas and work together b- before a training camp opened. What's your been your impressions of Brian Hoyer so far in, in terms of him as a quarterback and a leader?
1: Yeah, most definitely. I, I think that you know, when I when I got a chance to go out there to to Dallas, you know, Brian was such a great guy, you know, and in making sure that all the guys were taken care of and um, you know, we were all in the right spots, you know, within the field when we were doing the workouts, not just um off the field but on the field too. Um I think he's a is a great person and um, and I, I can't wait to you know continue to, to work with him this season and and, and have a, have a successful season.
0: Are there any current players or, or players from the past that that you model your game after?
1: Um, I wouldn't. Yes, I I, I say that there, there's there's a, you know, a handful of guys that that I definitely you know take things from their game and try to implement in my. Um, you know I, I just you know try to continue to. You know, improve myself and and, and watch film on on the guys that have success in the league, um, and I just continue to try to add that to to my game.
0: Were, were there any uh, role models you had in the NFL growing up, or just just a receiver that you said, "Wow, you know, that's that's a guy I want to emulate on and off the field."
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Antonio Brown was was a was a guy read that you know I thought that you know if I. You know, play like the way that he had played in the league and had success. You know, I think that would be just fine. And guys like Antonio Brown, you know, Brandon Cooks, and Marcus Wheaton. You know, in college, um, they did a great job of helping me transition to, you know be a great, great college receiver as well. And Deshaun Jackson, uh, all, all those guys are, are guys that I looked up to and you know and took little things, took little things from their games and you know tried to implement it in mine and. You know, I've had some success so far and I continue to, you know, just try to improve and get better so I can, you know, be um, just as successful um, in the NFL. All
0: right. Now we have a segment that we've been doing. We, we've done it with um, a few players. They seem to enjoy it because we know about Victor Bolden, the football player. We, we've seen you play and we, we know what to expect on the field. I know a little bit about we want the fans to get to know Victor Bolden, the person a little bit. So we do a rapid fire um Session at the end of all of our interviews where we ask you, you know, some of your favorite things just so the fans get to know you a little bit. Does that sound like something you want to do?
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, let's, let's do it.
0: All right, let's do it. Okay. First up, uh, what are some of your favorite movies? Uh, my favorite
1: movie is The Little Giant.
0: Oh, I just, I just watched that with my family recently. That's a good one. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Icebox. Yep. Um, yeah. what, what about some of your favorite TV shows?
1: Uh, my favorite TV show right now is Tower. Power. Power. Yeah, yeah, it's a great show.
0: What what is it what station is that on? I'm not familiar with
1: that. Um it's on it's on Stars. It's a uh, um this this uh show about um a guy who, you know, is trying to get clean and, and have run a successful club nightclub. Cool. We're gonna have to check that out. we check that out.
0: All right. What about some of your favorite musical groups or acts?
1: My favorite musical groups or acts, my favorite rapper is Kendrick Lamar for sure.
0: What about your favorite athlete now or all time? Somebody like growing up?
1: Um, my favorite athlete now uh, would be Antonio Brown, and my favorite athlete growing up uh, would be Damian Thompson.
0: Wait, did you grow up a Chargers fan?
1: I grew up actually a Falcons fan, but I love Damian Thompson.
0: Oh, okay. okay. Was the Super Bowl tough for you this past year? Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the Patriots aren't exactly my favorite team, so I was uh, I was definitely pulling for Atlanta. And it's got to be cool even more with an Atlanta fan. You watched that offense the last two years. you got to be thrilled working with Kyle Shanahan now.
1: Exactly. So I, I was definitely happy to get on board with
0: that. He's amazing. I, I can't wait to watch him call plays this year. He's He's an amazing coach. What about your favorite team of all time in any sport?
1: My favorite team of all time in any sport is the Lakers.
0: Okay, I'm a Lakers fan too. What do you th- what do you, yeah. what do you think about? Um, it kills me with the Lakers because I know they're rebuilding and everything, and you know, hopefully Lonzo Ball's gonna be a good player. But the Lakers
1: just they shouldn't rebuild. They're the Lakers. You know what I mean? I I, 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 I can't stand to see them lose as long as they have been at least a couple of years. So we need we need to get it together.
0: It's been brutal. So are you are you on board with like the Paul George stuff? Do you do you want them to go for Paul George next year? Yeah. When,
1: most definitely. I'm. I'm hoping we get Paul George and with Lonzo we can do some things.
0: What'd you think about the uh, Russell trade? Were you were you for it or against it?
1: Um, you know, I think I think Lonzo's gonna be a good player, so I was for it.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I feel like they knew they had they were gonna bring Lonzo in, so and he's killing it in the summer league. Did you see? He's, he's. I know he had a triple double already.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, he's already had triple doubles, and you know they they're in the semifinals for the summer league, so. Uh, I think I think he's doing a good job so far.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I still don't know how good they're going to be this year, but I'm at least I feel like they're moving in the right direction. The past couple of years have been brutal, brutal. So, all right. I'm, I'm, what,
1: I'm, I'm,
0: I'm oh, go
1: ahead. I, I said I'm. I'm optimistic for this year. Hopefully, it's going to be better than last year.
0: Yeah, me too. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. Yeah. What about um some of your favorite hobbies? What are some things you like to do in your free time besides football?
1: Some of my favorite hobbies. Um, I like. To, you know hang out with friends uh we do a lot of playing video games 2k and Madden. uh that's that's big for us so um i think 2k Madden and just relaxing is just probably
0: top three for me are you an xbox three or xbox one guy or playstation guy what do you use
1: xbox one for sure
0: yeah i'm an xbox guy too me too see we got a lot in common man
1: this is this good stuff no we got a- <laughs>
0: absolutely 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 All right. What about your one food that you can't live without?
1: One food that I can't live without would definitely be, um, would definitely be Benny Hanna's chicken. All right. It's good stuff too. Good stuff. Yeah. All right, Victor.
0: Well, I can't thank you enough for the time today. And we are all really pulling for you this season. Good luck. We cannot wait to see you out there on Sundays. And thank you for being here.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. Thanks again to Victor for the time. Really enjoyed talking to him. And that sixth receiver spot, I can't wait to see how it plays out because we, we've hit on this before, and, and we're going to break it down a little bit again today. But really feel like those first five wide receiver positions, barring something crazy happening in pre in preseason or, or during camp, I think that they're they're pretty much locked in. It's going to be Garcon. It's going to be Curly for sure. And then you got to figure Marquise Goodwin, Eldrick Robinson, and Trent Taylor are going to be the top five. But that sixth spot is wide open. And I think that Bolden's versatility could really give him a leg up because he has every opportunity to win the punt return job. He can run the football. He can work in the slot. And he's the smaller, quicker receiver that, that Kyle Shanahan likes. But this receiving core, again, we just not to keep not to rehash what we already said, but it's 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 a holdover group. It's not a group that I I believe will have long-term ramifications. Garcon is a really good player, but he's over 30. Uh, Curley's on a three-year deal. Robinson and, and Goodwin are on short-term deals. Um, Trent Taylor looks like a guy who could be there long-term. But, Zane, I wanted to start off with, with the receivers. I'm excited about Pierre Garcon, and I'm excited what he could bring to this team. He was the eighth-ranked wide receiver in the NFL uh, per pro football focus. He's always been solid, um, but he's really only had one prolific season and that was two thousand and thirteen when he had 113 catches for thirteen hundred and forty six yards and five touchdowns. And he's only broken a thousand yards uh two years, which is two thousand and thirteen and two thousand sixteen, but he's consistent. And that is going to get consistent um production out of him. And I feel he can be the best receiver they've
2: had since Juan Bolden. Yeah, and he had his he actually had his best year in Washington under Kyle Shanahan uh being being the offensive coordinator. So he's produced in the in a Kyle Shanahan system and they they brought all of these guys here because they, they can all play roles within the system. And, and the interesting thing is you mentioned Anquan Bolden and um, Pierre Garcon is, I want to say that he's going to play that sort of role. He's not the same, necessarily the same build or has the same physicality as Bolden, but he is a physical receiver. He's a possession receiver. He's a guy that can go over the middle, not afraid to take hits or dish them out. So fits that role of possession receiver perfectly. And I really feel like to have a successful offense and we, we kind of mentioned this when Michael SEO came back, came on a few weeks ago. um, But when you have a wide receiver group, you really need to have one of each guy. You need to have a possession guy. You need to have a slot guy. You need to have a speed guy. You need to have uh, obviously a guy that, that can uh, run with the ball as well. So I feel like they've, pretty much got all of those guys with this group. They may not be household names or superstars, but they really kind of checked all those boxes. So Pierre Garçon, starting with him, he's kind of like the stalwart. He's the veteran. He's going to teach the younger guys. It's a pretty young receiving group aside from him. If you look at those guys, they're all under, I believe they're all under 26 years of age. So um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what effect he has on the team. And Garçon has been clutch.
0: Now, I don't think the Niners are going to be in the playoffs this year. I, I hope they do. But Garcon's playoff numbers in 2009, I believe it was three games with the Colts, 21 catches, 251 yards, two touchdowns. 2010, he played one game in the playoffs, five receptions, 112 yards, one touchdown. 2012, four for 50. 2015, five for 70. So he's showing up in these playoff games. And that's something you want to see from the leader of the receiver group. And he is going to be the de facto leader this year because he's the veteran, because he's the most accomplished. So it's nice to see to see him be able to do that. The other guy who's going to be sort of the vet is is Jeremy Curley, and like we we I said about Carson, he was um the eighth ranked wide receiver by Pro Football Focus last year. You would have to go all the way down to forty nine before before you found your first forty nine er in terms of ranking, and that was Curley. And he had a decent year last year: sixty four catches, six hundred and sixty seven yards, and three touchdowns, which doesn't jump off the page to you stats wise. But in in the night, the way the Niners' offense was last year, it was pretty good. And I looked at his games last year. I really wanted to see sort of how it was all broken down. So in the five games before Kaepernick started, uh, Curley had 26 receptions, which was about five a game. Then when Gabbert was benched in favor of Kaepernick, he he took a dip in his production. Now he had 38 catches overall in 11 games with Kaepernick, uh, which is just a little over three a game, but they did get their chemistry after a while. So in the first seven games together, Kaepernick and Curley, Curley had 17 catches in seven games, which isn't good. But then his last four, he had 21 catches. So again, he was at about that five catches per game. And I feel like if he can get a good rapport with, with Hoyer, I mean, Garcon's going to be the target monster out of the receivers. But if you can see Curley get a good rapport with Hoyer, you can see him bringing in
2: three, four, five balls a game and ended up with some decent numbers at the end of the year. Yeah, he's not a really tall guy. He's not a really big guy, but he's a guy that can get open, especially in space. He's not like a speed burner type, but he's, he's just one of those types of guys that, that gets it done. And a lot of his catches were in short space. A lot of his catches were uh, kind of in the, in the, the mid range over the middle sort of thing. So he is definitely one of those guys that you can, you, that you can count on to get open in, in small spaces and, and kind of alleviate some of the pressure off the quarterback, because a, a lot of times the biggest way to stop a really dominant pass rusher defense that bl- likes to blitz a lot. And that's getting through is to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. So if you look at, all these guys, like Aaron Rodgers, you know, he has one of the the shortest time spans of getting the ball out of his hands. Peyton Manning was like that too. Um, Tom Brady, obviously, he doesn't like holding on to the ball either. So uh, I'm not comparing Brian Hoyer to these guys. I'm just saying conceptually, that's that's what you want to go for. So when you have a guy like Jeremy Curley that can get open really quickly, it it's kind of conducive to that sort of system where you get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. And that not only keeps him upright, the quarterback upright, but that also keeps the the game kind of going in, in, in a rhythm and it, and it gets the quarterback going in a rhythm and the more passes he completes the more confidence he gets so I think that's really important for for any quarterback whether it's a veteran a rookie or anything so Jeremy Curley is is a, a huge asset in that sense that he will be able to basically catch anything that's around him in a short space and, and get that quarterback's confidence going well, they better hope that these guys can get open because they certainly don't
0: have the size in this group. Uh, the tallest receiver is Garcon uh, at six feet tall, unless somebody like DeAndre Schmelter or Aaron Burbage makes the team. Garcon's going to be the tallest guy, and the, re- the rest of them are, are smaller receivers. And we mentioned, you mentioned Kyle Shanahan. You have to hope that he can scheme these guys open. The, the other two that you, you feel like are going to play some significant, significant s- snaps. Elgic Robinson and Marquise Goodwin, we've hit on these numbers before, but to repeat them um, for maybe someone who didn't hear it, Robinson in his career, 50 catches, 931 yards, seven TDs. Goodwin in his career, 49 catches, 780 yards, six TDs. So again, these aren't people with long track records. They've, Sort of been role players on their other teams, and they maybe has to do a little bit more for the Niners. Where Goodman Goodwin might worry me a little bit is his catch percentage. In his career, he's caught forty nine of one hundred and eleven targets, which is uh, only forty four percent. In twenty nine out of sixty eight in two thousand and sixteen, which is only forty three percent. But I, but he does have big playability. He caught an eighty four yard touchdown and a sixty seven yard touchdown last year. So I believe that Shanahan is really going to work to scheme these guys and put them in a position to succeed. But I don't
2: see either one of them as being high volume type guys. Yeah. And it's interesting. Marquise Goodwin actually beat Darrell Revis for that, for one of those touchdowns. And it was, it was pretty impressive. Although you can say Revis has lost a step. He's still one of the best corners to ever play. But for me, that was, that was pretty impressive, but uh, he's, he's actually also one of the fastest guys in the NFL. I don't know if you saw this list, but Marquise Goodwin was, was like the number two fastest guy in the NFL right now. Um, I think NFL.com did, did a, did a survey or a list or something like that. And, and he was like in the top three, which is, which is awesome. Because I don't remember any time in the past, I want to say, 15 years that the 49ers have had the fastest receiver or arguably the fastest receiver in the NFL on their squad. You can say that Ted Ginn was, was kind of that guy. Um, but even then, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't as much of a pass catcher as he was kind of a return guy. So uh, I'm kind of excited about Marquise Goodwin. I think that he's, he brings a dimension that we haven't seen in a long time to the 49ers, a legitimate deep threat. And as far as Aldrick Robinson goes, he's a guy who knows the the Kyle Shanahan system. And I think that when a team is in a rebuilding process, the more guys that you can bring in that already know the system, the the easier it's going to be to get that system in place because they, they will in turn teach other players or at the very least, you don't have to worry about that guy. Like they're not going to have to worry about Aldrick Robinson learning the playbook because it's basically the same playbook they brought from Atlanta. And I, I, uh, the production thing is, is in a way, it's sort of misleading because you have to look at their role in the offense, and you have to look at the fact that these guys were not number one receiver types. So obviously, they're not going to put up those number one receiver numbers. Whereas, like Pierre Garcon, you see that he's put up big numbers with with multiple quarterbacks. And and I, I hate to backtrack a little bit, but I, I just wanted to point out that the the people that are going to say that Pierre Garcon played with Peyton Manning for most of his career. He also put up big numbers with RG three as his quarterback, so that kind of debunks that myth that Pierre Garcon cannot put up numbers without Peyton Manning. So, I I I really think it's going to be interesting to see what these guys do. And, and and another guy, you know, the 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 last the last sort of I think sure thing on this on this roster as far as wide receivers go is Trent Taylor. And people like to call him the the Wes Welker clone. And it's funny because anytime you see like a, like a smaller white dude playing receiver, he's automatically like Wes Welker or Mm -hmm, Julian Edelman. Yeah. But uh, he's, he's actually impressed quite a bit in camp and he was, he was a draft pick this year and he set a bunch of NCAA records for, for catches and yards, but he's a really, really interesting guy because he can play in the slot. He can return punts. He's super versatile. So I think that he is going to be, uh, one of those kind of diamonds in the rough sort of players. What do you think about him? Huge
0: numbers in college, 300 receptions on 397 targets, which is just under uh, 76%. He had under just under 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns his collegiate career, and in his his last season was he had a monster season, 137 catches, 1,816 yards, and 12 touchdowns. So he certainly played the part in college, and he's a guy the Niners wanted and went out and got. And he's got a bright future. I believe that they're going to mold him um, for sure. But here's here's my question to you, though, um, before we get into this Kirk Cousins stuff here. You're you're excited about what the receivers can bring, and I am too in the, in the system. But are, are, are other than Garcon and, and Curly, we're we more excited about Kyle Shanahan or the receivers? Do you know what I mean? We're we more excited yeah. about what yeah. what these guys can, can do because of the coach or the, or the receivers. And I yeah. think we need to find that out, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good question and a really good point. And for me right now, I'm actually ex- more excited about Kyle Shanahan and what, what, and what he can do with these receivers. Uh, you look at what he's been able to do in his previous stops with, with Cleveland and, and Washington and Atlanta. And he took a lot of really, i not, I want to say unknown players, but, but um, a lot of really solid players, but not spectacular players. And he got something out of them. And uh, that's what the the big thing for me is is that the, these players all have potential and he saw it and that's why they're all on the team right now and the people say that, you know you always hear about the fear of the unknown and people are scared of that I'm kind of excited by the unknown when it comes to this season I'm I'm really excited to see different ways going to use a guy like like Marquise Goodwin or Trent Taylor um and and where he's going to line those guys up to create mismatches so I'm I'm more excited about Kyle Shanahan at the moment. But I think once they get on the field, we can kind of see what, hopefully what they saw in these receivers when they signed them. All right, real
0: quick. I know we think those, those five are going to make the team. Uh, if a sixth receiver makes it, who makes it out of these guys? Victor Bolden, BJ Johnson, Kendrick Bourne, DeAndre Smelter, Aaron Burbage. And I, I think DeAndre Carter is the other one. Um, who out of those guys makes the sixth spot if there's a sixth
2: receiver? I think Victor Bolden. I think that I agree. he... Yeah, he, he kind of touched on 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 his speed and and you know he ran a four five forty, but he he plays faster than that. And I think that he's going to be able. To, he you listen you listen to him speak, and he has he has an enthusiasm that that is kind of infectious. Like the guy loves to play, the guy wants to play. So um, I think that he, and he sounds like a bright guy. Like when you when you were asking him questions about the scheme and schematically how things were different and things like that, he had a really well thought out answer. So I, I think that based off of those things and his versatility, the fact that he can return punts, John Lynch wants guys that with versatility on this team right now, and I think that because of that, Victor Bolden will at the very least make the practice squad and be like a fifty three and we may see him on the field if people get injured. agree with you hundred percent on that he
0: he would be my pick too, and I know some people may go with the taller receivers just because they don't have a guy like that, but I think the taller receivers in shanahan's offense are going to be the tight ends, so I think that um. Bolden is, is going to be the guy. Now, all right, I'm going to get into this. We're going to get into this Cousins thing. And I'm getting to the point now where I was, you know, and I tweet a lot about it. And I do think it's a story. It's a huge story. But I'm to the point now where I'm almost annoyed with it. And I guess I'm going to take it. Let me take it from the Washington aspect first. How dumb is that organization? How ridiculous are the Redskins? You have a guy who does not want to be there. He clearly clearly does not want to be in Washington. He turned down a huge deal, or so they said. All the writing's on the wall, he doesn't want to be there. Now, instead of saying making the smart decision for your franchise, because it's going to be a distraction all year. The minute Cousins has a bad game, the fans are going to be all over him. The media is going to get into it. Whether there's issues in the locker room or not, somebody will report that, I'm sure. Because he doesn't want to be there. It's obvious it's going to be his last season. So why would the Redskins not at least explore a trade for him? Camp hasn't started yet. Why wouldn't you at least say, you know what? This guy's walking at the end of the year. This could be a distraction. He doesn't want to be here. Let's explore a trade. Now, I know no team is going to trade for Cousins as a rental. He's going to have to sign a a long-term deal and maybe the only team he would do that with is San Francisco, but then, okay, you have Dan Snyder doesn't like the Shanahan. So was he really going to hold on to him just because he doesn't like the Shanahan's? He's going to pay this guy $44 million over two years. And if they did tag him again next year, they'd be what? $78 million over three years, utterly ridiculous and dysfunctional. And if I'm a Redskins fan right now, I'm disgusted. I'm absolutely disgusted.
2: Yeah, and that that I think you hit the nail on the head. That is if there's one more word to describe that organization, it's dysfunctional. And from the, the whole Scott McLuhan thing to the whole Kirk Cousins thing and I think Bruce Allen, their their acting GM, I think he just wrote his ticket out of town. This was this is inexplicable. I, I don't know how you let a player who doesn't want to be on your team, a guy who has made it pretty clear that he doesn't want to be with the team long term, stay on the team and, and eat that salary. I, they're basically eating a, like what is it, 24 million uh for this this year alone? Yeah, 24 million. They, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're eating twenty four million dollars of salary because they want to keep him away from the Shanahans. Like, are you kidding me? That's that's ridiculous. This is but this is who Dan Snyder is. This is what he does. They don't call him Chainsaw Dan for no reason. This is, this is how he operates. This is why the Redskins are never going anywhere under his ownership because they have these stupid petty little battles that they fight and, and they don't win them. And it, the, the team is the one who suffers. And the fans ultimately are the ones who suffer because they're the ones who give, give their hard-earned money to this organization. So uh, it's almost like Dan Snyder looked at the 49ers and, and saw how dysfunctional they were before um, John Lynch and, and uh, Kyle Shanahan came and he's like, Hey, guys, hold my beer. Right. And he was like, just mm-hmm. just check this out. But I, I just can't fathom a situation where Kirk Cousins stays with the stays with the Redskins and and he's they're not gonna franchise him for another for a third year at thirty five million dollars a year to keep him away from the Shanahans. There's no way they do that. I agree and I wanna take two sides of this or at
0: least make two points anyway, in terms of the 49ers in, in Kirk Cousins. Do I think Cousins would be a good fit in San Francisco next year? Yes, I do. I do. I think he knows the system. I think the head coach loves him. I think he wants to work with the head coach. He's, he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but he's a prolific Pro Bowl-type quarterback, and the Niners haven't had that since Jeff Garcia. So do I want them to go out and spend $25 million a year on him? I think that's too much. They'll probably be able to get him for a little less than that, but he's still going to get between 20 and $25 million a year. It's going to happen on the open market. So having said that, yeah, the Niners should get a guy who, who threw for almost 5,000 yards last year. He'd be a good fit. He'd be the best quarterback they've had in a while. I'm all for it. Having said that, it's a year away. And if I have to listen to Kirk Cousins things every week for a year, I'm, I'm going to go crazy. Brian <laughs> Hoyer's the quarterback of this team. Whether you yeah. like it or not, he is unquestionably the start of this team. Did you see that on ESPN? And I didn't see it. I heard they
2: had him on ESPN and they were talking about Cousins right in front of him. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah I was actually just going to bring that up. I, it was the most awkward thing they had. It was Diana Rossini, who's the host of NFL Live and Adam Schefter and Kirk Cousins was sitting across the table from from Schefter and they were kind of talking about Diana, Diana Rossini. like, oh, um, um. Sorry, Brian Hoyer was sitting across the the table from Adam Schefter. So Di- Diana Rossini was like, "Oh, hey, there's Kirk Cousins. He might he might be on your team next year." And and Brian Hoyer was like, "Yeah, yeah, okay." And and then Adam Schefter was like, "How do you deal with all of this Kirk Cousins talk and and all these things and these distractions and whatnot?" And and Kirk Cousins, or uh, sorry, um, Brian Hoyer was like, "You know, it's it's 2017 right now, and and it's about it's about this year for me, and I'm the starter this year. This is." this is a uh, kind of par for the course for my career. And he kind of gave an answer like that. And, and it was just the most awkward sequence. And I, I just, I just don't know what, why would you do that? Why would you ask him questions about the guy who's possibly succeeding him when he's, when he's sitting right there? You know, it's well, just, it's just their ESPN. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> yeah mine, exactly. Mine we're talking about the same the same network that's going to televise the OJ parole hearing. I just heard about that today too. Are they is, really? Yeah, they are. this <laughs> just, oh just ridiculous, oh my but god. But I I
0: I digress. I can't. you know. Um I can't with that. This it's just, it's just TMZ. <laughs> they just want to be TMZ. I can't.
2: Yeah, th- this whole Kirk Cousins thing is has just blown up in, in Washington's face and like either either way they lose because they can't trade for him now because they know that he's not he doesn't want to be on the team and and the other, the rest of the league, the other 31 teams know that. And they can't get in a bidding war for him because they're not going to win that because he doesn't want to be on their team when he, becomes a free agent. So I've heard it, I've seen it and heard it floated around that the 49ers are going to have to overpay to get him. And I don't really agree with that. Why would they have to overpay for a guy that wants to go to the, their team? If anything, they're going to get him for market value or maybe even less because they realize that he wants to be with, with Kyle Shanahan and be in the system. So I don't think that they're going to overpay for him. I don't think he's going to cost more than 25 mil. I could be wrong, but I think it's going to be one of those things where they're going to secure their guy and, and secure the quarterback position. And if not, you have a solid quarterback draft going forward, but uh, I, I kind of disagree with you. I, I kind of like hearing about the 49ers picking up a quarterback and it, it's kind of exciting. You know, it's kind of exciting as a 49ers fan to hear about the team wanting to improve and, and possibly get a franchise quarterback, because that's one step closer to the ultimate goal which is winning a championship so i'm i'm kind of excited about it if, if you ask me oh i would be too if, if it was a year from now but what are we going to do for a year
0: we're gonna we're gonna look at kirk cousins week by week and be like oh he didn't play too good did we really want to go after him oh he had a great game we gotta buy you know every was what i'm gonna have to listen to is that where is that what it is is that what brian hoyer is gonna have to listen to yeah i, I think- like i like cousins and i think like I said, I, I would love for them to go after him, and I agree with you. I don't think they're going to have to give him a ridiculous contract. He'll make his money, but the Niners don't don't give out bad contracts. Prog Morante does a great job with contracts. It was less—I I can't remember a awful contract they've given out. They're very good with the, with them. You know, Vance McDonald may have been a dumb contract, but it wasn't a, a bad contract money wise. You know, it's, they don't get hampered. They don't do. They don't do contracts like that. So I'm not as worried about that. What I, what I don't want to see is distraction. I don't. He's already a distraction in Washington. You know, Brian Hoyer has a bad game. Always stinks. Get Kirk Cousins in here. You know, just, you know what I mean? The constant snowball effect of what this could be all year. It's a year away. Cousins could stink this year. Cousins could blow out his knee this year. Nobody knows what's going to happen a year from now. Brian Hork could throw 35 touchdown passes this year and they, and they can say, you know, we're or CJ Beathard could step up this year and they could say, we love Beathard. You know, Bethard's our guy next year. Bethard just needs one more year, and we'll keep playing around one more year. No one knows what's going to happen. So to have this dialogue already, and I understand it—it it, it drives ratings. I understand it'll help our show talking about this, and we will talk about it. I'm not going to say we're not—we won't. We'll probably talk about Kirk Cousins a million times this year. It's just just the TMZ nature of some of this stuff, and and how how forward we're looking into the future. No one knows what's going to happen a year from now, and and I just hope it's not a continuing story. I hope it dies down a little bit until at least the end of the year.
2: Yeah, it's, it is. It is. Uh, I'll agree that it is a disservice to Brian Hoyer and, and C.J. Beth and Mar- Matt Barkley, who are the the QBs on the roster right now. I, and there's going to have to be. I think you know what it is. It's it's really just that they have guy X in mind. Forget it. Forget the names. Forget Kirk Cousins. Forget Brian Hoyer. Forget. Like they have guy X in mind for next year and he's part of the plan. Supposedly. So I think the fact that the 49ers actually have a plan somewhat going forward is the exciting part. The fact that they plan on improving the roster either through free agency or the draft, because look, if they get Kirk Cousins, have a guy who can come in day one, start, he's a veteran. He's not going to have rookie jitters. He's going to, he's played in the system. He's ready to go. If they don't get him, they can draft one of the quarterbacks in a quarterback heavy class next year. They have the ammunition to move up in the draft, thanks to John Lynch's maneuvering this year. And they can get one of those guys. And on top of that, you have a guy in Brian Hoyer, who who you can be comfortable starting for another year, provided that he gets through this year healthy. So I, and this, for that reason, I think Al, it's 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 a win-win. And it's really you can you can say that I have my 49ers colored glasses on and, and the glasses half full and whatever, but I really think that the fact that these guys have a plan going forward of what they want to do one way or the other is the most encouraging thing. And that's something that 49ers fans definitely want to hear about. And it's definitely welcome. And regardless of what happens with Kirk Cousins, I agree like he might get hurt and he might have a bad year. Frankly, if he has a bad year, it might even be better for the 49ers because they could get him cheaper. But I think that he's, he's put out what he's, what he can do. He's proven what he can what he can do. So even if he has a down year, chalk it up to a distraction, chalk it up to a divided locker room, whatever you want. But I think that regardless, the 49ers have a plan, even if they don't get him. And I think that's the most exciting part of all of this. I'll give you this with that
0: next year. And I've seen arguments where, where some have said, you know, oh, the draft is stacked next year. We don't want cousins. You don't know what you're getting in the draft. You never know what you're getting in the draft. I mean, how many teams have set their franchise back five, 10 years because they take quarterback number one or number two overall or whatever. You know, number six, Mark Sanchez type thing. And, and and because, oh, he was a stud coming out of the draft. You don't know. You don't know what these guys are going to be. And, and it's, it is a point that you do know with Kirk Cousins. Again, like I said, I'm I'm fine with them signing him next year. Great. If he if everything's status quo come the off season and Cousins is available, by all means, I, I, want, I would 100% be behind them signing him. I, I'm an advocate of that. You know what everyone is? I, I am. I'm an advocate of that. But I just I, I don't want to hear about it all year. Can't take the temperature every week. Can't live life waiting for however many months down the road from the quarterback, yeah, all about Brian Hoyer. If Hoyer goes down, I'm all about Matt Barkley. If Barkley goes down, I'm all about CJ Bathard. You know, these are the guys that are going to drive the ship this year, barring a, a, an unforeseen trade in the next, you know, week and a half or whatever it is. So I, I just hope that it does die down. And I, I hope that these questions aren't being asked about Kirk Cousins in week Six or seven in the season. If Hoyer has a bad game or or anything like that, I I hope it dies down and and ramp it up again at the end of the season. I'll talk her Cousins all day when when that time comes. But
2: um, I'm excited about the team that they have on the field right now. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, and you know Brian Hoyer is gonna Brian Hoyer is gonna su- surprise some people. He's gonna I think I think people are gonna be pleasantly surprised with what they see out of Brian Hoyer. And a lot of people don't know who he is. A lot of people who have they haven't seen his game they see the stats and they, and, and they may rush to a judgment, but I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I agree. I agree. And he also has the, all
0: the Al Sacco bald guy beard look, you know, bald guy, kind of scruffy, the Al Sacco look. He, so,
2: he does. I saw you were looking you know, very Hoyer esque on the Facebook live that you just that's, did. That's so,
0: you know, maybe he's just trying to be me, you know, maybe yeah. he's like, he's checking out our Facebook <laughs> live videos and saying, you know, I'm going to go with the Al Sacco look. I think that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I don't think he's doing that. If we ever yeah. get him on the show, I'll ask him. I'll say, you know, how do you feel about how do you feel about that look? He's got to come out. We got to get Brian on the show. It'd be fun That'd be to great. have him
2: on. That'd be great to have Brian Hoyer on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll have to sit outside his house like we get all our other guests, right? No, I'm just kidding. We don't <laughs> that.
0: But it's, that's not how we do it. That's not how we get him. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Zane. Well, you know this is this is an exciting time. Camp's right around the corner. Um, this cousin stuff, like I said, you know, it, it is it is exciting, and it's like never a dull moment in the NFL. So. It's going to be all good. Um, we wanted to just mention again um, the pro football focus stuff. You know that is where Zane and I get a lot of our stats. So again, if you're interested in that, 49ers web zone slash PFF, uh, The code is elite seven one seven or edge seven um, one seven to get a discount on the pro football focus. It's good stuff. So we're excited too. We got some, we have some really good guests lined. I'm choking here. Excuse me. <coughs> some really good guests lined up too.
2: Zane coming up. Yeah, we do. We got. Uh- we got a few national writers. We've got, um, a local, a local radio personality, local media personality. That's really, really close to the team and, and is really, really well known. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave, um, the fans hanging about for these ones. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say just yet, but a little these bit guys of mystery. are a little, a little bit of, bit of mystery. mystery. These are guys that, that, when you see their names, you're definitely going to be like, I, I know who that is. I've heard of them. I've, I read their stuff. They're national guys. I see their stuff all over the place. So these are really interesting guys, guys that um, I personally um, read and listen to myself and get a lot of my information from and guys that I personally am really, really excited about. Yeah, very exciting. We're going to have
0: some of those national guys on, and we'll continue to have the beat writers on and and players on and that sort of thing. So a lot of great stuff planned for the season. We're really excited about it. And our next show will kind of be sort of a training camp preview show as well, so that'll be all good. So everybody, thank you again for
2: tuning in. For Zane Naqvi, I'm Al Sacco. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Bye, guys.